Chapter One of the Morgesons. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julia Lenarden. The Morgesons by Elizabeth Stoddard. Chapter One. That child, said my Aunt Mercy, looking at me with indigo colored eyes, is possessed. When my aunt said this, I was climbing a chest of drawers by its knobs, in order to reach the bookshelves above it, where my favorite work, The Northern Regions, was kept, together with Baxter's Saint's Rest, and other volumes of that sort belonging to my mother, and those my father bought for his own reading, and which I liked, though I only caught a glimpse of their meaning by strenuous study. To this day, Sheridan's comedies, Stern's sentimental journey, and Captain Cook's voyages are so mixed up in my remembrance that I am still uncertain whether it was Stern who ate baked dog with Maria, or Sheridan who wept over a dead ass in the Sandwich Islands. After I had made a dash at and captured my book, I seated myself with difficulty on the edge of a chest of drawers, and was soon lost in an Eskimo hut. Presently, in crossing my feet, my shoes, which were large, dropped on the painted floor with a loud noise. I looked at my aunt. Her regards were still fixed upon me, but they did not interfere with her occupation of knitting. Neither did they interrupt her habit of chewing cloves, flag-root, or grains of rice. If these articles were not at hand, she chewed a small chip. Aunt Merce, poor Hepburn chewed his shoes when he was in Davis's straits. Mary, look at that child's stockings. Mother raised her eyes from the Boston recorder, and the article she had been absorbed in, the proceedings of an ecclesiastical council, which had discussed, as she read aloud to Aunt Merce, the conduct of Brother Thaddeus Turner, pastor of the Congregational Church of Hyena. Brother Thaddeus had spoken lightly of the difference between sprinkling and immersion, and had even called Hyena's Baptist minister brother. He was contumacious at first, was Brother Thaddeus, but Brother Boangeries from Andover finally floored him. "'Cassandra,' said Mother presently, "'come here.' I obeyed with reluctance, making a show of turning down a leaf. "'Child,' she continued, and her eyes wandered over me dreamily, till they dropped on my stockings. Why will you waste so much time on unprofitable stories? Mother, I hate good stories. All but the Shepherd of Salisbury Plain. I like that, because it makes me hungry to read about the roasted potatoes the shepherds had for breakfast and supper. Would it make me thankful if you only gave me potatoes without salt? Not unless your heart is right before God. The Lord my shepherd is, sang Aunt Merce. I put my hands over my ears, and looking defiantly around the room. Its walls are no longer standing, and the hands of its builders have crumbled to dust. Some mental accident impressed this picture on the purblind memory of my childhood. We were in Mother's winter room. She was in a low, chintz-covered chair. Aunt Merce sat by the window, in a straight-backed chair, that rocked querulously, and likewise covered with chintz of a red and yellow pattern. Before the lower half of the windows were curtains of red serge, 
which she rattled apart on their brass rods whenever she heard a footstep or the creak of a wheel in the road below. The walls were hung with white paper, through which ran thread-like stripes of green. A square of green and chocolate-covered English carpet covered the middle of the floor, and a row of straw chairs stood around it on the bare, lead-colored boards. A huge bed, with a chintz top, shaped like an elephant's back, was in one corner, and a six-legged mahogany table in another. One side of the room, where the fireplace was set, was panelled in wood. Its fire had burned down in the shining Franklin stove, and broken brands were standing upright. The charred backlog still smouldered, its sap hissed and bubbled at each end. Aunt Merce rummaged her pocket for flagroot. Mother resumed her paper. "'May I put on for a little while my new slippers?' I asked, longing to escape the oppressive atmosphere of the room. "'Yes,' answered Mother. "'But come in soon. It will be supper-time.' I bounded away, found my slippers, and was walking downstairs on tiptoe, holding up my linsey-woolsey frock, when I saw the door of my great-grandfather's room ajar. I pushed it open and went in, and saw a very old man, his head bound with a red silk handkerchief, bolstered in bed. His wife, grandmother-in-law, sat by the fire reading a great Bible. "'Marm Tammer, will you please show me Ruth and Boaz?' I asked. She complied by turning over the leaves till she came to the picture. "'Did Ruth love Boaz dreadfully much?' "'Oh!' groaned the old man. "'What is the imp doing here? Drive her away. Skit!' I skipped out by a side door, down an alley paved with blue pebbles, swung the high gate open, and walked up and down the gravel walk which bordered the roadside, admiring my slippers, and wishing that some acquaintance with poor shoes could see me. I thought then I would climb the high gate-posts, which had a flat top, and take there the position of the little girl in the shawl-dance. I had no sooner taken it than Aunt Merce appeared at the door, and gave a shriek at the sight, which tempted me to jump towards her with extended arms. I was seized and carried into the house, where supper was administered, and I was put to bed. End of chapter 1 Recording by Julia Lenarden